This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise, and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. Alrighty, welcome to another edition here of Reinvention Radio. Steve Olsher hanging out with Richie Ote. What's up, Richie Ote? What's going on, Steve? Oh, man, all kinds of good things. Uh, I think Mary Goulet is out doing her uh, volunteer work in the world. I never can keep up with that, Mary Goulet. And uh, White White's holding it down in the studio. Howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy. And, uh, man, I'm super excited for today's show uh, for uh, a number of reasons, not the least of which is, um, you know, I mean, come on. There's there's legends in certain spaces, and... uh, and the gentleman that we have on with us today is uh, is definitely a legend in, uh, in this vertical, no doubt. And uh, we'll go into a lot of what uh, that is here uh, very, very, very soon. And who we're going to be speaking with is the one and only Evan Pagan. So super excited about that. And, uh, and he's going to be talking uh, about his new book, uh, which is coming out. And, uh, and, of course, i got a lot of ground I want to cover, having uh, run in the same circles. And we've actually spoken, uh, I think, a couple of times over the years. But uh, funny enough, we've been in the same rooms at different times. So we've never actually met face-to-face. So I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to making the connection. Yeah, hey, Richie. Yeah, I just wanted to know, did you meet your wife by buying this first course? <laughs> right, I know. We could talk about that. <laughs> and, uh, and actually, we should bring that up. And actually, let's just do that right now. Wait, let's... Uh, Let's bring up Evan. Evan, how you doing, my man? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I really appreciate you carving out the time to be with us here and uh, and super excited to to have you on. So uh, for those who are not familiar with, uh, with the Evan Pagan Chronicles, uh, kind of take us a few steps back because, I mean, you are the, the consummate entrepreneur who, I mean, you've started, what, 10 different million-dollar businesses from scratch, uh, you've worked in a number of different industries. I just want you to to take us a couple of steps backwards first, so we can kind of understand your personal reinvention to get to the work that you're doing right now. So uh, let's just open with that. Yeah, do you want to hear kind of my life story, kind of where I grew up, kind of thing? Well, you know, I'd love to start with the with the business. I mean, because let me let me ask you this. Actually, let me start with this question first. Do you do you think entrepreneurs can be made, or are they just born? Um, I think some of each, you know, I think it's some nature and some nurture. Some people tend to have personalities that, that lend themselves more to entrepreneurship. But I think that now, you know, more than ever, we all have to become more entrepreneurial. You know, Mark Zuckerberg talks about how we now live in an entrepreneurial culture. I think entrepreneurs are really becoming the superheroes. And there's more and better training available, you know, so that we can all, uh, we can all take advantage of entrepreneurship and uh, and building business for for ourselves. So I think that, you know, if you didn't get the personality for it right out of the right out of the womb, I think you need to learn it. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, Evan, uh, it's funny. I I want to call you Dave because I've I've been a fan for a long time, and that's I'll tell a little bit of the history. I've I've been a fan since you first started talking about real estate, and then major mm-hmm. switch to talk about double your dating and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't want to go into all that, but I, uh, big believer, Steve being a, what is your, what guy he's heavy on the DNA end of it. And, uh, I, I'm a big believer on, you know, what you feed. Do you know much about epigenetics, Eben? Have you heard that? I, I know a bit. So, you know, it's kind of this conversation where it's basically 50% of what's going on in your world is because of your genes. And then 30% is the environment you're in and put yourself in. And then 20% is the basically thoughts and food. I'm summing this way up, but thoughts and foods you put into yourself. But the interesting thing they found is, as you know, if you know some of it about it is, uh, the environment you put yourself in and the thoughts and f- foods that you put in your body can actually start to change your DNA. So it is a combination of both as far as science is showing right now. And um, fascinated uh, to hear from you, somebody who's gone through so many reinventions, and this is what this show's about, how much of the reinvention in your process has been, you feel it's been your DNA pulling you or kind of inspiration pushing you or or flip-flopped or you know i know it's a strange both, question yeah. or both you know what i mean like yeah what, what are you feeling in this because we thanks for the books by the way i obviously you think there's lots of opportunity i'm just wondering what's do you feel like you're being pushed or pulled towards those opportunities 
Well, in my life, I mean, when I was younger, I started out as a long-haired rock and roll guitar player, and that's what felt like what I was supposed to be doing, you know? And I, I did that for, boy, six or seven years, kind of. But, you know, at my height, I was making $75 a week, and it was just not, you know, it was not going anywhere. And I went into real estate. I got a real estate license. And I did that because I reasoned, I looked at people who were successful, and I said, okay, well, people that seem to be rich either made their money in real estate or they've invested in real estate. Seems to be a common denominator. Maybe if I go learn about real estate, I can learn about how to make money and how to get rich. And that didn't work out very well because I had my ponytail and my Camaro, and I was driving around trying to sell people houses. And, um, you know, I, I had to learn a lot. And, in fact, I learned a lot in the real estate industry and still didn't do very well. Um, and I learned about direct response marketing, and I learned about sales and I mean, I've been through a lot of different things that didn't really work for me. And by just sticking with them, you know, getting to the point of competence, I was able to uh, build skills that allowed me to succeed. I mean, I'm just, I don't think I'm a, a natural success in this at all. I mean, it was probably, it was 10 years really of trying business ideas before I found one that really worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I mean, obviously, if you look at just sort of the the trajectory, the career trajectory of those who have been successful, I mean, very few of them have gotten to the point of being successful without having, you know, some major catastrophes uh, along the way. Now, having a Camaro and long hair in some circles that would have been a major catastrophe, but uh, you know, maybe in uh, in that circle it was working out okay for you. But I just kept thinking about Photoshop and you with your golds. Jim in my 280 ZX yeah. with uh, you your know. steroid arms photoshopping next to each other and seeing what it looks like. <laughs> that, that, that would have been an interesting comparison. So, you know, let, let, let's jump into this, Evan, because uh, you're kind of dancing around it. So you, you did spend some years uh, in, in the real estate world that got you uh, down the path of moving into uh, this whole world of, uh, of, well, relationship advice, I guess is what we can call it. Uh, which then led to direct response and, uh, of course, being uh, one of the early adopters of Internet marketing in the way that you were and so on. So it, as you look back, do you, do you really see all of those as being stepping stones to what you're currently doing, or, did, or was any of that really off path as you look back? Well, there are, there are a lot of things that were off path, but what I've learned in life is that when you learn something, it's important to learn it like it's going to matter at some point, like really take it seriously. Um, you know, I took my background being a guitar player and recording music, and I went and I got a job doing audiovisual for a seminar company with Joe Stump from Buyer for Only. And, you know, I took that skill and I went and used it in a new context. And then I learned sales and marketing working with him, and I used that in the real estate industry. And then in my late 20s, I had moved to California and I, I was working with this company. I finally had a pretty good job. Um, I got a little apartment on the beach and I had a nice car and I, but I still couldn't get a date. And so I was like, wait a minute, I, you know, I thought I did all the stuff you're supposed to do, you know, and now I'm successful and you know, still girls wouldn't talk to me. And so then I went and read a bunch of books and, you know, made friends with a bunch of guys who were really good with this. And I learned how to get a date. I wound up, you know, getting a great girlfriend and then I took what I learned about direct response marketing and about audiovisual and all the different things that I learned, and I you know, built this business doing dating advice. And in a, in a way, if you want to have a successful life, I think you have to find things that you're interested in, find things that you don't even know to be interested in, and you know, keep mixing them and integrating them all together so that you do something that you really enjoy and something that can be successful for you. And you know, you really design a life that you love. So, yeah, I think you try to bring as much of it as you can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally, totally makes sense. And, and I think it plays in really, really well with what you're doing now with your, your, your current work around, well, the book Opportunity and how opportunity is all around us, how opportunity is increasing, uh, as you say, exponentially here. Uh, but one of the things that I found really interesting in, uh, in going through the book and then just kind of having a, a general understanding of, uh, of who you are as a person and the things that you've done and the circles that you run in uh, is you've really, mm, I guess the best way to put it is you've really opened yourself up to being exposed to a lot of different types of people and being in lots of different types of groups. 
So in this case, with that being sort of the stimuli, if you will, how important are those people and those different groups and that sort of stimuli? How important is that in your mind to being able to take advantage of what's going on here in the in the land, in this new land, if you will, of uh, of opportunity? Yeah, I, th- I really believe in the power of the social influences in your life, your social network, um, your reference group, as Brian Tracy would call it, you know, your mastermind, if you're going to do it more intentionally, as Napoleon Hill would say. If you want to change in your life, find someone who's already accomplished the thing you want to accomplish and just spend time around them. Just do whatever you have to to be around them in kind of social settings or business settings because it programs you that it's possible to do what it is. And then you see somebody doing it and you realize, oh, I could do that. I remember hearing Dan Kennedy talk once. He said, we should have national bring a poor person to work day. Hmm where successful people bring poor people with them to work just so the poor people can see what the successful person does and go, this, I could do this. Yeah. You know, that's not that big a deal. Um, I, I mean, in all these different things that I've done in my life, um, a, a big piece has just been finding people that were successful, people that already did it, making friends with them or going to their seminar, or going to a mastermind or going somewhere and just seeing them do it and then realizing, okay, I can do this, and then trying it, seeing it's not so bad, learning some new skills and so forth. So I'd say the the social groups and the friendships and the relationships are very, very important. I mean, your relationships are essentially your destiny. You know, your social group, it can pull you up so fast. It can can really change your life. And relative to having opportunities in life, um, there's there's even research, there's even scientific research about this uh, and academic papers written about people that, um, that connect to other type, types of people that are connected to lots of different types of networks, that they just have more opportunity to come to them. Right? So you want to position yourself at the intersection of different types of groups so that you get diverse opportunities to come to you. And when you've pursued multiple interests in life, when you've learned a little bit about this thing and you've learned a little bit about this thing and learned a little bit about this thing and put them all together, that's when you, that's when you get something that is like a uniquely made for you. It's, a, um, it's like a designer lifestyle. It can be a, you know, a great work kind of gig. It can be something really works just unique for you. Steve Job talks, Steve Job talks about walking into Reed College to a calligraphy class and learning calligraphy. And then later when he was designing the Macintosh, you know, creating proportionally spaced fonts and like beautiful mm-hmm. typography, which Microsoft and IBM and these guys weren't thinking about. Um, yeah, it's, it's about getting out there and like seeing what's happening in the world and learning new things and combining them and then getting around people as well so that you can get that direct transmission. You know, you can model people who have already done it. Yeah. Go ahead, Richie. Yeah, Evan, uh, quick question when it comes to opportunity. First, love the word on many levels, um, but I also want to kind of bring up even things like oil that look like a resource at one point in time were an annoyance to a farmer, right? And so how is, is there some sort of sweet spot where you can differentiate what, what looks like an opportunity, but that's really for somebody else, and, it, it, but, but trying to narrow down finding that thing for you? Does, do, is it really in that you yeah. like it? You know, I, I'd say to my daughter – it might be the thing you like to practice, even if you suck at it. You know, like if you, there's some sort of something about there might be magic if you like to practice it. Um, but that my question to you is, what is that sweet spot between knowing, hey, you're chasing right someone else's opportunity, or yeah. is it right for you? Yeah, well, to set a frame to answer that question, I w- I'd like to point out that our options in life are they're just increasing dramatically right now, right? We all have more things we can go do, more foods we can try, more places we can visit, right? More things we can learn, more people that we can meet. The, the growth of technology, the rise of the Internet, it's created all of these options. And therefore, it's creating like a huge amount of opportunity, and this is only going to keep growing exponentially into the future. So... If we, if we really get how much opportunity is available to us to learn new things, to get new skills, 
to connect to new customers, right, to find new collaboration partners or joint venture partners, when we can really just, like, hold that in our mind, how much opportunity there is, it then helps you to realize that opportunity is no longer a scarce thing. It used to be that opportunity came along, you know, very, very rarely, and you just had to jump on it when it was there because it's never going to come along again. Now we have tons and tons and tons of options, many different types of opportunities, and we can go out and create opportunities for ourselves in ways that we were never able to. Now it's about finding high-quality opportunities, not as much about quantity, but about quality. And what a quality opportunity is, is something that will help you get the result that you want, but also something that will help grow you and actualize you and make you a better person. If you look at the story of my success, I started teaching dating advice, and then I started teaching entrepreneurship, and I taught people how to create digital products, and, and I taught people about productivity, and I taught coaching, and, you know, I, with my wife, I've now been getting into teaching relationships uh, and, and intimacy work. It's the story of me learning about something that was important for me in my life, and then taking what I learned and turning and sharing it with other people, which is a double benefit because I get to teach to other people, which is great. They get to learn, and I get to have business succeed. But I also get to learn at a deeper level, right? I get to learn at a deeper level when I'm teaching. And I see this, what a unique time, what an amazing time this is that I can do that, go learn something, and then turn around and teach other people mm-hmm. and, uh, and get paid for it. And as we see more and more people doing kind of this digital nomad thing, or living this virtual lifestyle, really doing self-directed learning, being an autodidact, learning about their personality, what their strengths are, what their, their kind of natural intelligence is, and then going and developing that, and finding a way to, to use that unique gift that they have to create value for other people. Um, it, it almost sounds like it's too good to be true, and if you don't get what's happening, don't really understand how the internet works, and you don't understand entrepreneurship, you don't understand how to get customers, and you don't understand how to create products, which are just basic skills now to have. If you don't understand those things, then it's not accessible to you. But once you start understanding how to create products, how to do marketing, and you know, based entrepreneurship skills, the whole world opens up where you can yeah. you know, find and create opportunities that are really tailored just for you. You know, Hitler, just your lifestyle, you uh, grow. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's do this real quick here. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna ask that uh, we we try to get reconnected here to you, uh, Evan. Do we actually do we have you back now? We got you back now. Yep. Can oh, you hear me? Oh man, that is uh, much better. So too. much better. Okay, oh, yeah. sweet. That is so much better. So so the, the question is, how difficult was it for you to to go from? that David D'Angelo and the double you're dating and all of that to going back into, you know, who you were as, and who you are and the Evan Pagan brand. Was that, was that a difficult transition? Was that a difficult reinvention in that moment? I mean, every reinvention, every one of these has its, uh, has its huge challenges, you know, and every time you go and do something new, you know, and make a major change, there's always the fear that, it's not going to work or, you know, people aren't going to like it. You never, you know, you never know. I remember David Ogilvy saying, you know, every time he writes an ad campaign, he has this fear, like this is going to be the one that's going to fail. And, you know, that's what courage is for. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking to Joe Polish about it and he said, you know, courage sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, courage does not feel good to do, but then after you do it, it feels really good. Yeah, for sure. You know, and you you kind of have to go for it. Yeah. So yeah, all of these things were, uh, you know, there yeah there there a lot of challenges involved. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I, a lot of what I talk about is everything is scary and and theory until uh, do you actually do it right. So <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting how once you do something, it's not nearly so scary, and uh, and obviously once you do it a couple of times, uh, you're no longer in the land of theory. Richie, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to go back to uh, when. You- when he was talking about opportunity and, and that it's not scarce anymore. It's partially why I used the analogy of oil. It was a nuisance for the farmer until they found a, a, a resource for it, right? Or that it was a resource for something else. And mm-hmm. what's interesting now, kind of based on what you just said, if you think of someone like uh, 
Malcolm Gladwell that's talking about the whole 10,000 hours thing. Put yourself in an interesting scenario when you build the business around you being you. It's like you got that covered by the time you're five. Mm. It's really more an introspection, self-awareness game and setting up, you know, what is the system built around how you being you at your best is really seems to be the magic sauce there because you're going to grow and evolve over time. That's what humans do. And so that, you know, sometimes you're singing the song, sometimes the song singing you. And so I, that, that flow, it's almost like in opportunity, it's, it's that flow. It's doing just enough efforting to get around those people that you're referring to that can change your life overnight, but not so much efforting that you're letting the organic magic kind of get lost. And so opportunity yeah. not being scarce, it's, it's, it's really more what kind of package do you want to put around you being you? And, and do you have the balls to do that kind of? Strange words yes. to use, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, and and it's also about it's also about the skills. You know, it's about skills. If you didn't learn the language of your culture or your country, it would be a lot more challenging to succeed, like to communicate with people, to have relationships, to do business. And nowadays, in order to succeed in business, let's just say, or in investing. You need to have a set of skills, right? We don't, we don't live in a time anymore where there are just giant factories everywhere that are mass producing the exact same things. And, you know, we need a million of the same kind of person to like line up and just do that job. We have a, a mass production factory education system to mass produce people to work at factories to mass produce you know, products and services, mm -hmm. that isn't the way things are anymore. We all now we want more customized experiences. We want things that are more tailored for us and we want more to learn. We're in a knowledge economy where information and knowledge, it is the commodity. It is the thing that's most valuable. Most of us in America and in first world countries, most of us are paid primarily for the work that we do with our mind and not for the work that we do with our hands. And so this just points to we need to go learn knowledge-based skills. We need to become better learners, and we need to go learn all of these new skills, these new entrepreneurial skills, and they can be learned. And once you learn them, uh, it makes you more valuable, whether you're working for yourself or you're working for a company, because you know whether you're an entrepreneur or you know what they call an intrapreneur, uh, in business we need more innovation. We need more new ideas. We need people that understand products and services and how to take care of customers and how to grow businesses. So let, and let, me, let me ask you this because I want to obviously give you an opportunity here to talk about uh, the book and, and kind of what spurred that on. But just in general here, in general terms, I wanted to start as we dive into the book then a little bit here. I wanted to start with the question around uh, what do you define as the difference between pursuing an opportunity uh, and being what more folks would kind of view in a, in a negative sense of being opportunistic? And, and how do you delineate between the two? Yeah, well, the way I, I'm thinking about and trying to present opportunity here is not to become, you know, a selfish person that's just looking around to, you know, grab value or someone who's just trying to take things and to be opportunistic. That is not what we're after here. Um, what I'm trying to introduce is a more holistic uh, vision of opportunity where we move through our whole life and we look at our physical life and our health and we look at our emotional life and our relationships. And of course, a lot of this is looking at our business life, uh, at our money, at our investments. And we look for opportunities that are going to be the highest quality opportunities for us. Those that are going to pay off the most in the long run of our, of our lives. Um, people that are opportunistic, um, you know, they're usually more selfish. They're more short-term thinking. Uh, they're not thinking about the big picture. You know, we're, we could think about like corporate raiders and, mm -hmm. um, you know, that they go in and they just buy a company and they break it into pieces and they sell them off. Um, yeah, that's not what we're trying to do here. We're, mm -hmm. in, in my vision, we're trying to look for opportunities that are going to be good for us and good for other people. And again, good for the long term. Yeah. So, so as you look at the landscape now, and, and you run in a lot of different circles, I mean, you've got the, 
the Burning Man community. You've got the uh, you know the Peter, Peter Diamandis community. You've got your own uh, communities of folks, and and so on. So I mean, you run in a lot of different circles. Where where do you think is the biggest area of financial opportunity uh, for the common person, if you will, the the everyday Joe Jane who doesn't have a platform, who doesn't have a silver spoon, who doesn't have you know this the, the backing of uh, of, of God knows who, right, to help them bring something to fruition. Uh, what do you tell those folks in terms of opportunity? Mm-hmm. Well, my favorite opportunities, uh, you know, relative to this conversation would be in what we'd call the information business, right? Information marketing and coaching. I think that digital products and coaching are two of the very, that they're the most important things that anyone can learn, whatever it is that you're doing. Because, again, we live in an information economy where knowledge is the thing that's most valuable. Most of us did not grow up, and I mean, I know that this didn't happen to me or you know, really anyone else that I know. Uh, we're in school. They said, okay, you're learning different things here. Uh, different knowledge has different value. And if you package up certain knowledge, you'll be able to sell it for more money or get people to pay more money for it. And here are the different formats. Here are the different ways that people buy knowledge or here are the ways that people invest in knowledge. Here are the different formats for how to sell it. it this just didn't, this wasn't on the, on the radar screen of anyone that I knew at all. And yet now what we're all doing now with you know, some usually significant portion of our lives is learning. Right? We've, we've, it's all landed for us that what we're going to be doing in the future probably is not what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. You know, if we all look back, you know, what was, what were we all doing five years ago, right? Probably not what we're doing right now. What are we going to be doing in five years? We're going to be doing something different. So the skill is learning. And when, again, when this all lands, you realize, oh, I need to learn how to identify the knowledge that I have that's valuable and then I need to learn how to package that up and offer it to other people in a way that they'll want to pay me for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I often recommend that people get started with coaching. I think that coaching, personal coaching, life coaching, uh, business coaching, that this is it's just such a wonderful starting point because you get to facilitate other people um, going through transitions and transformations in their life. And you get to learn basic skills of how to find customers how to work with people, how to do sales, how to do basic marketing. It's very low risk. You know, you you don't have to invest very much. You can, you know, get paid to help people uh, yeah. do things. And then this also offers you a great platform to do research where then you can learn what people need and how they respond to it. And then this sets you up to, uh, yeah, it's a double package up knowledge in a lot of ways later. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a double edged sword, right? I mean, obviously with the low barrier to entry, anyone can do it, which means uh, the quality of that coaching is going to vary greatly, right? So, uh, and even in digital products, I mean, you can you can attest to this. I mean, having been in that world for so long, that there's a lot of stuff out there that's really, really good and a lot of stuff out there that, uh, you know, frankly, probably should have never been released whatsoever. Um, but as you as you look back at a lot of the endeavors that you've taken on, uh, we have a new show called the best business podcast where we specifically bring people on who have exited for more than $10 million, uh, or who are currently running $10 million plus companies. Now you have, uh, created 10 different million dollar companies, but to, to the best of my knowledge, at least my understanding is that none of those, uh, have gotten to eight figures. What, what do you think is the, the biggest difference between a, a five and six and even a seven-figure company, and getting to eight and nine figures and beyond. Yeah, I mean, I've grown uh, my business. You know, we got up to about thirty million a year. Um, about four or five years ago, I broke my company into three different pieces, and I took on partners, and I took on a whole different business philosophy. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of had the, you know, I've had a pretty, yeah, you know, I had seventy or eighty people full time working for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had a, I've had a pretty good business. Um, I've also invested in several technology companies now, probably five or six different companies, some of which, you know, either I've invested or advised have grown up and, you know, gotten big teams of people and, you know, one or two of them have had exits. And so mm-hmm. I've seen all these, you know, these different kind of romances. Um, 
You know what? What was the question again? Well, because as as we look at you know in terms of what someone can sell, right? I mean, getting into coaching, getting into information marketing, creating these products, programs, services, etc. It sure. it just seems like there's a a, a ceiling, right? Uh, and just uh, not necessarily for everyone, but for most, there is a ceiling to how far you can take that business. And and frankly, you know, not everybody wants to create uh, an eight or nine figure plus business. But my question is. What is, in your mind, what is the delineation? What is the biggest difference? How do you grow to an eight, nine-figure type company uh, versus kind of getting stuck in that five, six, even seven-figure land? Ah, got it. Okay, yeah, totally different question. Well, uh, I mean, what, what stops people from growing a lot of times, if they have a great idea for a product, maybe it's taken off, they've gotten some traction on it in some way, um, or you know, maybe they've got a service that's really working, is a lot of times they run into scaling issues with people. Right? A lot of times it's they don't know how to hire people, they hire the wrong people, they don't know how to make deals, they don't know how to you know, have social relationships with people, they don't know how to attract the right advisors, um, and so forth. And so um, I'm really, this coaching thing, I'm really harping on this one with, with, with folks because I think it's this core skill that once you learn how to do it, it then really helps you if you want to scale up a business. You know how to have better social relationships. You know how to interact with team members. You know how to recruit people better Mm -hmm. because what you've learned how to do is help the other person identify where they're trying to go in life and then help them become the person that can get there, you know, and help Mm -hmm. them build the esteem and help them do all the things that they need to do. Um, Let's see. So, I mean, we could, we could go into any aspect of building. I mean, I've been teaching entrepreneurship now kind of formally for, 10 years or something and investing and advising in startups and things. I'm, you know, I'm glad to so, talk about that stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And, and obviously we want to talk about the book and, and give, you know, folks friendly of opportunity here to talk about opportunity and so on. But it just, if, if I just want to create a quick synopsis around that, it sounds like it really just boils down to creating the systems at scale and creating the right people to help you grow. I mean, if that, that seems to be uh, the synopsis of what you're saying there in terms of what separates the five, six, seven figure companies from those that are able to get to eight figures and beyond. Yeah, and a lot of it is you have to want it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to, if you want to build a ten million dollar business or a hundred million dollar business, you really have got to be serious. You've got to mm-hmm. want that thing, and and you've got to be willing to go and. I mean, you're not going to get to a hundred million dollars without putting in. Yeah, and if you're if you're lucky, you know, five, ten really strong years, and that's if you're lucky, and you got a, you know, you've got something that can scale and. Uh, and you hit the market uh, in the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I totally get that. Richie, you had a, a question? Yeah, well, I was going to say kind of what Evan was speaking about prior when he was mentioning he was making $30 million a year as a business. And then broke it up. And then <laughs> broke it up. What I what I heard between the lines, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's your it's your life, but I heard a little bit of the law of maintenance stuff in there and you evolving and you not wanting to run that kind of thing. It's a back-to-my-self-awareness thing. You saw... Kind of, so I'll do small tangent. I think the stones tour together because the maintenance of the life they have set up, right? They don't even like each other, but they keep touring because everything they have is so expensive. They have to maintain that. So they keep touring, even though they don't like each other. Well, you own this business. You could break up that band and you could do that because you didn't like touring like that anymore. So it sounded to me between the lines like you knew that game, you played that game, you could have scaled it that way, but you were a different place in your life and you're kind of like, Oh yeah. Okay. Interesting, Steve. That's a different question. And people do go that way, but I didn't want it like that anymore. Yeah. yeah. Was that true? Yeah. Am I, am I you know, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll answer it directly. I'll, I'll give you uh, an analogy. When I was 34, I bought a Ferrari. I had always wanted one. It was like the symbol of success, you know, mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. And and I, you know, had it all my vision boards and whatever, and I got a really cool one and I bought it and, you know, I would take it out every day and drive it and scare myself in it, you know, for <laughs> a month. And it was fun to go driving, you know, under, under passes and, you know, call my friends and say, come take a look at this thing. And I, and, but then I realized that when I was, you know, pulling up to try to park, like it was so low that I couldn't open the door or I was trying to get the ticket out of the parking machine. I couldn't quite reach it. And it was just, you know, it was just very impractical. It scraped on everything because it was so low to the ground. And then something went wrong and I 
I, I had to take it in and, and get a, you know, an oil change or so, you know, something, it was thousands of dollars for some little repair. <laughs> and then they found some other thing and it, you know, I had to stay in the shop for, and then I started talking to people who had these and they said, Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they basically live in the shop and, mm-hmm. and law of you maintenance know, thing again. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, and so then I drove it once a week and then I drove it once a month and then it just kind of sat there mm-hmm. and, and then I, I basically I did a product launch and we decided to offer it as a prize for a, a, <laughs> and it, was, it was crazy. We gave away a Ferrari. So and you're basically um, you offloaded your problem as a prize. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> someone else's prize. Talk about opportunity right yeah, there. there you go. Smart works both ways. So yeah. Yeah. The point I'm trying to make is that you have to go through having the experience of the thing before you realize, oh, that's not actually what I want. Mm-hmm. And you know, as they say, more money, more problems. Um, that isn't always exactly the case. I had a friend when I lived in Los Angeles, he's a very successful, very wealthy man. And he used to own a big estate. And he told me the story about how he had, you know, a huge team of people that managed his estate. And he said, I had one guy on my team who all his only job was to go around and change broken sprinkler heads Jesus. on my estate. That was his full time gig. Wow. That was all he did. That guy, and and if, you know, he hired plus, the he hired the landscaper to break them. <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, I finally just got rid of this, you know, twenty people or however many people he had working for him, and he got a condo, you know, at the top of some building because mm-hmm. he could just close the door and leave, and he doesn't have to, you know, manage the, you know, all those folks. Yeah. And um, I'm I think I'm a little bit simpler of a person, and I'd rather have the lifestyle that I like. And but be able to do the things that I want to do and try new things or teach or whatever, then um, I don't know. It's not. Yeah. Life is just not all about money. I mean, you know, the research, right? After you make, you know, a certain amount of money, which is like 75 grand, somewhere between everything I've seen between 70 and 75 grand, you know. Yeah. You don't get any happier after that. And so. So yeah. and you know, look, we'll uh, we'll have to have a conversation offline about uh, opportunity and uh, and liquor dot com, right? I mean, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. Perhaps we'll we'll have that discussion. But uh, if you're not familiar, I've been actually uh, involved in the online world since '93 when we launched on CompuServe's electronic mall. So I mean, I've been online a long time. Picked up the liquor dot com domain in uh, in '98, and I've danced in that world of dot com for for quite a long time, and then. Now, over the last 10 years or so, being in the world of Internet marketing, you know, people like yourself and uh, Mike Fulsame and Armin Morn and, you know, th- those those sort of folks. And I've often said that the dot-com world could learn so much from the Internet marketing world and the Internet marketing world could learn so much from the dot-com world, but both have just this huge distaste for one another. And and it is interesting to to read through the book and hear how you talk about sort of the intersection of different networks and the intersection of different ways of thinking and seeing the opportunities that arise. Uh, let's just use the example of a Venn diagram and where those, you know, those, those, those circles kind of overlap. Uh, talk about the, the intersection of different worlds that you expose yourself to and how you can often find opportunity in what one might lack and what another might have and so on. Yeah, well, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, I, I've learned this as I've moved through my life and I try to combine the things that I that I learn. Um, I didn't do very well as a real estate agent. I did OK as an audiovisual guy for a seminar company. Yeah, I then, you know, did OK doing coaching and consulting in the real estate industry, kind of doing marketing. I did I did pretty well when I went and learned how to get dates for myself. But then these things kind of came together and I looked around and I realized, Oh, there isn't anyone really teaching men about how to do dating better online. Mm -hmm. And Oh, I can see how this could all go together. And then I put, you know, I put all those components together. And then as I built that business and it became successful, I had to learn things because it was just me and I had to figure out how to hire people. And then I realized, Oh, it's easy to hire the wrong person. And then I had to go learn about, you know, what are the best ways to hire people? And then I had to learn how to build technology because I wanted my thing to do an upsell and I couldn't get any of the carts to do the upsell. So I had to go, you know, hire a developer. And then the next Mm. thing you know, we're building our platform because that's what works better. And then as I'm doing all this, people are asking me and I'm trying to share with them what I'm learning. And then I realize, oh, I should teach people about 
entrepreneurship. I should like teach people how to do this. It's these <laughs> intersections where you're, you know, you have multiple things that you do and you ask, how can I put these together in a new way to create a lot of value for other people? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, and, and I totally get that. And, you know, in the, in the book, you do talk about when you have a winning opportunity, sometimes it becomes hard. And in your mind, you, you look at this as a sign from the universe so you have this way of thinking where you remind yourself that the increasing difficulty is actually an indicator that it is a much bigger opportunity than you thought. So yeah, yeah. How, how do you how do you kind of reconcile the two? I just want to make sure I'm clear on this because oftentimes things become hard. And how do we know whether it's time to cut the rope or to stay the course? Mm. Yeah, well, it the distinction I think is when it becomes hard, but you can still see the vision. Mm-hmm. You know, you can still see that you your reasoning and your, you know, your research or your initial sales or whatever you're doing that that's still there. But it looks it's a harder problem to do. Like for example, when I was trying to, as I mentioned there, when I was trying to figure out the dating advice thing, you know, at the beginning it was just an ebook. I was just selling it. I had a shopping like a one page shopping cart, and then I said well, hey, you know, what about could we ask people a question? You know, could we say, hey, which thing are you more interested in? And, and then offer them different upsells or different other products. And there just wasn't anything to do that, you know, yeah. or, uh, you know, we I started, I had, I had my uh, virtual assistant at the time. Anytime someone would buy my book, she would send out some emails uh, that would say, hey, do you want to come and buy my other courses? You know, you mm-hmm. bought the book. Here's a, you know, a payment program. And we would send those out manually because back then we did, you know, there weren't these kind of autoresponders that you could do with your shopping cart. And every time we would send these out, people would come and buy this thing. And so then I said, oh, well, there, there isn't a system. So we had to go and build it. I had to, you know, find somebody and say, can you make something? And they just built a script that when someone bought my, my book, it would send them these other emails from me asking if they wanted to come buy, buy other things. It was hard, but I could see, I knew that if I could get the thing to do the thing that it would really uh, that it would really work out. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the examples that I use is, um, you know, last year blockchain and cryptocurrency like really took off and sure. hit the hit the mainstream consciousness. Yeah, and it was about a year ago. I was visiting some friends, and anyway, a couple of people invited me to a blockchain conference on accident, and I walked in there, and there's all this buzz happening, and there's people I knew. I said, "Whoa, you know, holy cow, what's going on here?" Mm-hmm. And I could just feel that something you know, something big was about to happen here. And so I went and tried to sign up for an account, you know, to like buy some Bitcoin and just see what this was all about, just have the experience. And I signed up for one of the exchanges and I logged in and it to, in order to buy the, buy Bitcoin, you had to enter computer code. What? And and I'm like, I'm looking at this and I'm like, are you serious? Mm -hmm. And this is like one of the big ones. Like you have to enter code. Okay. If people are this excited about this now, and this is how hard it is to, to right? get some of this stuff, I'm like, this is a massive opportunity. Yeah. Like, I, mean, I could just see it. It was just clear to me. And, you know, with opportunity, there's a lot of, you know, like this, there's a lot of risk and it's up and down. And, you know, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency could go to zero tomorrow and, you know, just as easy as anything. And so you got to be careful with this. I'm not necessarily recommending it. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that when I saw how hard it was, I went and signed up for a Coinbase account which is the one everyone said is the easy one. And so I'm signing up for it and I'm like, okay, I put in my name and whatever. And then it says, okay, now enter your bank account number. Mm. I said, okay, enter my bank account number. Okay, yeah, here we go. And then it says, <laughs> enter your bank account password. What? Yeah. This, I'm this, looking at it and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> this was a <laughs> ghost some, site right there. Somebody had just hijacked it. And uh, yeah, there we go. That's just, uh, just one of those, like one of those Amazon accounts that just, somebody just basically duplicates it and ends up taking your credit card. But that's, Probably not what happened there, but so this no, is, this no, is how- it was actually it's actually what you have to do to open up an account. Oh, geez. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, seriously, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, well, here we go. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what everybody was telling me to do. But again, I thought this is just this is an opportunity, it's a massive opportunity because if there's this much of a barrier to get involved mm-hmm. and people are all and you know they're getting so yeah, when things are hard or challenging or there's something like that and you can still see the vision. Um, yeah, it can be, can be much bigger. Yeah. So that, so, and, and obviously on the, on the user side, I mean, that certainly makes sense on the, on the creator side though, 
yeah, I mean, at some point, if you if you think you've got the world's best widget and no one is buying this thing, you know, no matter what you do, I mean, NLP, you know, be damned. It doesn't matter what you're doing. No one's buying this thing. Again, I just want to go back to the question, though. At what point do you cut the rope? Yeah, well, I mean, if customers don't like it, then you cut the rope. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's the short answer. But, but to your Most thing, people, Steve, uh, just real quick, yeah. Evan, I was going to yeah, just go say, back to your opportunity thing. Instagram was bought for a billion and they hadn't made one damn dollar. So you might have had a, a, a wrong preface in your question, mm. basically it, thinking you have to sell something first. Maybe We're sure. living in the land of pixeling. The way you can pixel people now, you don't even need to collect the damn email mm-hmm. right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. You can wait till step three or four to collect the email. Mm-hmm. Where are they at in the process right now? You don't know anything about them, right? And, and yet people like Amazon that are some of the most sophisticated machine learning out there as advanced as they are, they're still showing me 100 USBs right after I bought a USB. What are the odds of me needing another USB? They mm. should be thinking about what I'm trying to do with that USB, right? The, even the, the best of the best is still behind right mm-hmm. now. So there's opportunities beyond opportunity. It's, it comes back to, in my opinion, how do you want to play in this game? It's your life. It's hit and it's on record right now. Yeah. And if you don't like it, adjust accordingly. You know, I mean. Right. So, Evan, let me let, let me ask you this. So, you, you've got the you've got the book coming out, and uh, and what what is the official release date of the book? And is it self published or did you go traditional publisher? Self published. Okay. Um, although I am happy to say that I just got an offer for a book deal a couple of days ago, and nice. I haven't even launched the book yet, so I'm pretty stoked about that. Nice. Um. So yeah, it looks like we'll be get an international distribution, which looks fun. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the book comes out on the 12th. Okay. Uh, and that out would, in a week, one okay. week. So April 12th. Okay, good. So yep. this, will, this will air sometime. It's airing now, obviously, live, but it'll also air as a podcast edition, you know, sometime, sometime right around then. And so let me let me just ask you this. Uh, what What's next for you? I mean, you've got where, – where's Evan Pagan's next opportunity? Yeah, I'm working on a couple of projects right now. I've got uh, a project going on around futurism. And uh, I've been just trying to follow the trends that are emerging and just see what's happening online for the last few years. And so building a a platform to try to help other people uh, get better, higher quality futurism news. Um, My wife and I have been doing a lot of work on romantic relationship and conflict and collaboration. And uh, you're going to see her and I teaching. That's probably that's probably the thing that I'm going to I think that's the thing I'm going to do that's going to be um, the most important in the long run because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. it's been really hard <laughs> yeah being in a romantic relationship and staying in and staying committed you know for the long term is hard yeah and working through conflicts is hard and we've developed a lot of a lot of models and technology that I think uh, will help a lot of other people and I'm looking forward to teaching that to other people yes. um, I've got a little five-year-old daughter mm-hmm. and raising her has just been it's just a, such a privilege. I didn't think I was going to have children, and it's just, just shocking me that it's so cool. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, parenting is another, <laughs> another piece. Yeah, I think the last time you and I spoke by phone, uh, I think she was actually a newborn at that point. So I think that's how long it's been mm-hmm. since you and I have actually spoken. So, you know, and, uh, and I will say this, that, uh, and how long have you and your wife uh, been married now? So you've been married about six and uh what six and a half years okay all right there you go yeah i've uh, I often say to a lot of my friends you know it's like it's it's all well and good if you got somebody that you know that you love and uh you know but if you're not married we can't you know we really can't talk because we don't have anything in common you know but if you if you are married okay now we got a little bit more in common okay if you're married eh, and you've been married for more than you know 10 15 20 years like you know i'm, I'm going on 21 years now it's like okay we got a lot more in common and then it's like if you're married and you've been married for that long, and you've got you know multiple kids or or kid, then it's like okay, now now you understand me. So you're right. I mean, you know, you live this stuff, and coming from the world of, of double your dating, and obviously being in that world, and then moving into a, uh, a monogamous or I presume a monogamous relationship, and making that work, and adding a child to the equation, it just goes to show you that you know you can literally look in the mirror and you can find opportunity because what you have lived often is what most people need to learn. And I'm sure you've heard this expression. Uh, but what's your take on to a second grader, a fifth grader as a god? 
What was that last piece again? <laughs> I said, what, what was your take on to a second grader, a fifth grader as, is a god as it relates to creating something that can help people uh, based on where they are right now and based on where you are? You know what? I'm sorry. I, somehow I am not getting the question. There was <laughs> no maybe like a break in the middle of the sentence where you like asked, you're talking about second graders and God and I'm second graders and God. Yeah, exactly. No, no worries at all. So say, I'll, say it one more, say it one more time. I really, I want to get just, this because it sounds interesting. <laughs> no, nothing I say is interesting. You're all good there. That's my wife. Uh, no, but uh, what I said is one of my favorite expressions is to a second grader, a fifth grader is a God. Okay, now I got it. Yeah. Okay, and yeah, it yeah, just yeah. and it just boils down to opportunity and just knowing that you don't have to have everything down pat. You don't have to be this massive expert in something. You just simply have to be a couple of steps farther down the path than the person behind you in order to be able to recognize opportunity as it exists. So that's that's really just the bottom line there. Yeah, that's well said. Yeah, Thank now that I understand it, I'm glad we, we persevered through <laughs> glad, it. Glad we stuck, the, you know, stayed the course. Or that was not one of the times to cut the rope. All right, so uh, let me just give you an opportunity to let folks know how to either grab the book, and, and we're going to be sharing the book with our audience as well, but, you know, I'm a big believer in just, uh, you know, giving you the platform here and giving you the mic to, to do whatever it is that you need to do here. So if people want more information about you, if people want to grab the book, what uh, what's the best place for, where, where should they go? Sure. Well, you know, I've taken the last year to write this book. It's called Opportunity. And inside of it, you will learn about what I think are the biggest domains of opportunity, how to deal with the kind of onslaught of options and opportunities that are coming in. You get tools for managing your emotions. You learn how to overcome fear of failure. You learn about all a whole bunch of my favorite models for finding and creating and deciding on opportunities you learn about collaborating with others. You also learn about some of these domains that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. And in the last chapter, I actually walk you through uh, how to find your greatest personal opportunity. Mm-hmm. And you can get a copy for free while we're launching by just going to freeopportunitybook.com, freeopportunitybook.com. I'll send you a copy that I will buy you and send to you for free. You just pay the shipping and handling. Plus, you got a bunch of bonuses. You get some videos. You get some downloads. You get to join me for a uh, a live workshop called nice. the best opportunities of 2018. That's all included Sweet. in the free offer. You just pay shipping and handling. So we're really trying to get this out to, uh, to the world. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are certainly trying to help and do our part. It's a great book. Definitely encourage everyone to go out and, you know, and grab it. Uh, and we will talk to you guys next time here on reinvention radio. Thanks so much, Evan. Talk to you soon. You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit ReinventionRadio.com.